Shalom everyone. I hope you're comfortable at home tuning in. It is indeed an honor to be able to share the Word of God to you all today. I'm particularly excited to share today because we are diving into the book of Zechariah. And for the longest time, I used to think this is a complicated book. Exciting, yet complicated. How many of you agree that the study of this book has been so exciting? Unlike my husband, where one of his favorite book is Zechariah, this is definitely not something I consider easy to digest. However, as I read more, I realized that the book of Zechariah is not really as complicated as we think it is, but it is an amazing book because what was written so many thousand years ago is still applicable and relevant to us today. Before I begin, I'd just like to show you this cute little cartoon I came across which says, if Jesus tried to feed the 5,000 today. And this is sort of painfully true because I think sometimes we humans can complicate things. Disclaimer, this is just a joke not meant to target gluten intolerant people or vegans, but just goes to show how life can be more complicated these days, causing us to have so many questions for God. In fact, one of the questions my husband asked me quite recently was, if the vaccine for COVID is really here, but it costs 10,000 US dollars, would you take it? Hmm, I really had to ponder on that. Truly, life can really spring a lot of questions. And I'm sure sometimes some of us wish God would just come up with a clear SOP on how to do life. You know, back in Zechariah's time, the people were also asking questions. That is why I've entitled my sermon today, Lord, Should I Do This? Now let's find out what did the people ask God in Zechariah 7. Let's read. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, the month of Kislev. The people of Bethel had sent Sherezer and Ragamelech together with their men to entreat the Lord by asking the priests of the house of the Lord Almighty and the prophets, should I mourn and fast in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me, ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said, Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them was so desolate that no one traveled through it. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. Let us just start with a word of prayer. 
thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father Lord, for the word that you have given us. Father Lord, truly your word is true until today. And Father Lord, we just want to gleam, Father Lord, from what you want to share to us. May you prepare our hearts to receive, Father Lord. May our hearts be fertile soil to receive from you. We thank you, Father Lord, and we commit everything that is shared today in your name. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Now, let me start by giving a little background on this. Um, first of all, what happened is on the fourth year of King Darius and on the fourth day of the ninth month, some people came to ask a question. This date is significant as it is about two years after the rebuilding of the temple has started. And who are the people who came? They are the people of Bethel. Now, Bethel was previously infamous as a center of pagan idol worship before they went into exile. Um, this is not to be mistaken with the battle, the music band that we know, right? So, and they came to entreat the favor of God. This means they came not just asking a question, but they came in reverence with the hope of a favorable reply from God. So they traveled all the way to Jerusalem from Bethel and they asked, should I mourn and fast in the fifth month as I have done for so many years? Basically, they wanted to know if they still needed to fast on the fifth month because the fifth month's fast was actually to remind and mourn for the destruction of the temple when they were in exile. But obviously, they are no longer in exile. And remember, this fifth month fast wasn't commanded in the Torah, but it was instituted by the people. So they were unclear if they needed to continue to fast, seeing that they now are going to have a new temple and there are new beginnings. We then see in Zechariah, the people ask God, should we continue to fast? Today, we may not be asking God if we need to fast, but we find ourselves sometimes asking, Lord, should I do this or should I not do this? Now, I'm sure the people were expecting God to give a yes or no answer, but instead, God asked them back a question. In verse 5, God asked, Was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Can you imagine asking God something and getting this reply? Remember, they went all the way to Jerusalem to ensure that they were doing the right thing. I mean, you must understand, they were, they were not just fasting once a year, it was like five times a year. There were actually four other fasts that they were required to do. So you must understand why they needed to ask this question. There is nothing wrong with the question really. But God responded by asking them their reasons for fasting in the first place. So every time we ask, Lord, should I do this? The first thing we must consider are our reasons or inner motivations on why we do certain things. Now, we don't know what are the exact reasons the people from Bethel asked God that question. But one can only guess, maybe because they didn't think it was necessary anymore, seeing that the temple is already being rebuilt. Or maybe they just didn't want to get it wrong again. Remember, Bethel was once infamously known as a center of pagan worship. So they were very careful this time round to not get it wrong with God. Or maybe fasting five times a year is just inconvenient. What are some of our reasons when we go to God with a question? Sometimes our reasons can be, how far can I push my boundaries? Lord, can I drink five glasses of alcohol if I don't get drunk? Or what is the minimum I need to do? Lord, can I skip church when the preacher is Kim Lian? Which road is the easiest path? Lord, should I take this job? You know, earlier this year, I asked God a question about my job. 
You see, I've been working full-time in SIBKL for 10 years, and I recently just had my second child. So I was asking God, should I be a stay-at-home mom instead? Because, you know, I wanted to be able to spend more time with my kids. And honestly, I was thinking about what I wanted for the family, but I didn't want to make a decision because I wanted God to tell me so that I didn't have to take responsibility if I did make the wrong choice. I was hoping God would answer in a burning bush. And truly, if I would be honest, my reasons were not which option pleases God more. The focus was actually on my welfare or my future. So the question in itself was innocent and it almost seems like, wow, I'm so good. I'm really seeking God's will. But actually, sometimes we treat God like a fortune teller. We ask God a question, not because we really want to please God, but we ask because we are unsure of the future and we're hoping God will tell us, yes, this is a good job. Take it and it'll be good. No, God is not a fortune teller. And I suspect why sometimes when we ask God, he doesn't respond because he knows we're asking for the wrong reasons. We're asking because we want to know about our future more than we care about how we can please God. And we can sometimes do this unknowingly. So you see, when the people ask, should they fast or not? God isn't telling them yes or no, because that wasn't important. But he was asking them to check their reasons for fasting. That is more important. Now the people from Bethel travel all the way to entreat God. And they've been carefully observing these rituals for more than 70 years. Don't you think these people seem so dedicated and sincere? And yet, God is making them go deeper. Sometimes we may be doing something for many years, but just because we've been always doing it, it doesn't mean it is right. We still have to ask ourselves, what are our reasons for doing certain things? And if anything, I believe this COVID season, when a lot of things were stripped away, we were forced to reflect and see what other things we were doing as a ritual without knowing if it was for God. So today, ask yourself, are we more concerned about outcomes that affect us or are we concerned on pleasing God? What are the reasons we do what we do? When we ask, Lord, should I do this? We need to consider our reasons. But as you can see, sometimes our reasons are of self-interest. And that's why God gives us the remedy to counteract this. God said to the people, when you fast and feast, you do these things for yourselves. He knows we have a predisposition to think of ourselves a lot. The truth is a lot of us start life innocent and sweet, but, but as you grow up, you start realizing that the world isn't always kind. We start feeling the need to protect ourselves. The world teaches us, you gotta think for yourself. You gotta look out for yourself. Good guys finish last. So common sense will always tell you when you're faced with a decision, always choose the path that benefits you the most. Naturally, it is our instinct for self-preservation. But this is where again God is saying, if you want what's best for you, it isn't about making it about you. Instead, he prescribes us a remedy on how to make decisions that are not self-centered. What is God's remedy? In Zechariah verse 9, he says, Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the foreigner, or the poor. And do not plot evil against each other. Notice everything God prescribes here is to do with loving others. God called them out initially because they did things with the wrong reasons. They didn't do things for Him, but for themselves. 
I would think that if that was the problem, then maybe God would have prescribed for them to perhaps pray more, offer more sacrifices, read the Torah more or serve more. But instead, he tells them, love others. Why? Because loving God always entails loving others. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And so, you know, in this difficult year for most of us, I came across a picture that's been circulating online, which really broke my heart. It depicted the season we are in. This is a picture of a man who has to juggle work while taking care of his kids at the same time. Truly, this has not been an easy season for so many of us, but God has called us to be a light in the darkness. What can we do? Well, we can bless our food delivery people, our guards, our cleaners. There are so many people in need. And every time you bless someone, you bless Jesus. Matthew 25, 40 says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Every time you're kind to a colleague, you're kind to Jesus. Every time you're kind to a waiter in a restaurant, you're kind to Jesus. Every time you hurt a person, you're also hurting Jesus. There are so many ways we can bless others. But the biggest blessing we can ever give to another is to introduce them to Jesus. This Christmas, with the gloom and doom around us, it is even more imperative to share the good news to others. We are having a Christmas service on the 25th of December. We aren't sure if we can have a physical service, but we are sure that there will be an online service. How can we share the good news to others? Well, you can invite someone to watch the service. It's like sending them a card, but instead of just saying Merry Christmas, you're sending them a message of hope, of Jesus. Because this year has been tough, we are even more committed to remind people that there is hope through Christmas. We've already started composing music, have dancers rehearse at home, getting our violins and cellos all tuned up. Christmas 2020 is going to be so exciting because it's going to be a new way of doing Christmas. I'm not going to spoil the surprise because this is going to be like a little present all wrapped up. But more than just enjoying the Christmas service ourselves, reach out to our neighbours or loved ones. Reach out to just that two or three people that you've been praying for. Have a small meal together. Watch the service together. You know, the malls may be empty, but our hearts need not be empty. Christmas doesn't have to be a huge party, but that shouldn't stop us from spreading love and joy. End the year well. Remember, ask yourself this season, as I celebrate the birth of Christ this Christmas, am I thinking of others too? So as you can see, God did not leave us hanging, not knowing what to do in life. You know, I started my sermon by saying sometimes we have so many questions because we say life is complicated, but Jesus sums up what we need to know in this life. In Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40, when the people asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus gives us the remedy on how to lead our lives through his word. Love God, love others. It is as simple as that. Nevertheless, we all know that 
Having answers may be simple, but the ability to respond may be tough. That is why it is important to watch our response. You see, God did answer the people, but did they respond? I heard someone share this before. It says, if there are 10 frogs on the log and they all thought about jumping into the water, how many frogs would be left after 30 minutes? The answer is 10, because none of them actually did, because they merely thought about it. They didn't jump into the water because they merely thought about it. Thinking about it is not the same as actually doing it. So a response is important. How did the people in Zechariah respond? In verse 11, we read, it says they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit through the earlier prophets. When we read about how these people did all those things, it's very easy for us to look at them and judge and think, oh yeah, why are they like that? But actually, we may not be 100% against God, but sometimes we let small little things that God has told us go on deaf ears. You know, the ending part, it says, when you do not hear when I call, so I would not hear. I used to joke how I'll give my son silent treatment because when I call him to clear his toys, he just ignores me. You know, I tell him, don't leave your toys in the middle of the road because mommy and daddy are going to injure our feet, but he just doesn't listen. And so sometimes I tell him, you know what, mommy's not going to listen to you too. But this is not God acting like a spurned parent. This is God saying to people for so many thousand years, he says, all this I've told you through the law and the words of the Lord, true prophets. God has given us the Bible that has all the answers on what we need to do. We know from history, the Jews did eventually get scattered and was exiled again. Zechariah is a history book, but consider that this was written before they were exiled again. When we refuse to listen to the small things God is telling us, don't be surprised if sometimes you don't hear from God. You know, we expect God to answer us, and yet maybe we ought to ask God, have we listened to what He's been saying? You remember when I asked God about my job future? I never did get my burning bush answer, unfortunately. What I did get was the COVID lockdown, and then I had a foretaste of what it meant to stay home all day with my kids. Then I realized staying home working and having your kids is really not easy, and I was really waiting for the lockdown to lift to regain some sort of sanity. I'm sure most working parents here can agree with me, right? But more than that, I think I was driving my son up the wall. I think he was wondering, why is mommy always at home every day nagging me? I mean, when he was with my parents and my in-laws, they do a splendid job taking care of him. They do all these wonderful Montessori activities with him. They feed him well, so well that I'm sure he eats better food than what my husband and I eat at home. He eats like imported grapes, blueberries, kiwis, smoothies in their homes. In my home, all he gets is bananas. So that's when I realized that perhaps me being a stay-at-home mom may not be the best for them, well, at least for this season, right? I also realized it is not about working or staying at home because both are good. Both are good. But what was important was what my intentions were. What were my reasons? I can be at home and have no peace. And I could be working and still have no peace. Ultimately, what mattered was that I need to decide to give my best to God 
wherever I choose to be. And I know when I choose to respond to God with one thing in my life, He showed me He will not shortchange me and my family. If you've asked God a question, start by asking yourself, what is one thing God is asking you to do today? Don't be afraid to respond to God. Maybe there's just that one small thing that you are going through, which maybe you would just rather sweep under the carpet or ignore because it's not your priority, or maybe it's too painful to face. Are we going to harden our hearts and tell God, I don't really want to listen to you on this portion. I'll concentrate on all the other things you told me to do, but I'll avoid this small little thing. Maybe he's asking you to have mercy on someone who has hurt you. Maybe he's asking you to stop devising evil in your heart against someone who's offended you. And God warns if we remain stubborn, he will scatter us away. Jesus has come and died on the cross just so that we can be reconciled back to the Father. So do not make the mistakes the Israelites did and end up spiritually exiled from the presence of God. Instead, if God is telling you to do something today, trust that He will help you through it just as long as you're willing to soften your heart and respond to Him. Brothers and sisters, if you have asked, Lord, should I do this? Consider these three things. Reasons, our inner intentions and motives, God's remedy on how we should live, which is to love Him and love others. And finally, consider our response. If you are wrestling with some questions in your life today and wondering whether God will answer you and need prayer, you can log into this link below and we have people ready to pray with you. Sometimes doing the right thing is not easy, but we need not journey alone in this life. I pray that we will all not harden our hearts, but listen to God attentively. Let us close in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father Lord, that you are a God of grace, compassionate, slow to anger. And Lord, I thank you, Father Lord, that even as we struggle sometimes to respond to you, Father Lord, you're always waiting and you're always extending your grace upon grace. But Lord, I pray we will never, never, ever harden our hearts so hard that we cannot hear you anymore. Lord, we pray for your presence and we pray for the people, Father Lord, that are seeking after you. Lord, we thank you. May the love of the Father, may the grace of the Lord be with us. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of us in this season. Let us now worship God and lift Him up.